Are you living your dream life in ministry? This is a question we've been asking a lot lately. And one of the key components of living that dream life in ministry is being in the right position that God has placed you and God wants you in. Now, many of us, pastors and ministry leaders, we serve in ministry positions that we love, that we, you know, if, if we were given the options, we would maybe even choose it out of a whole line of other different positions we would be in. But there are some of us who are in positions that we feel like we need to be in, that we don't have any other choices. There aren't other options out there. And for some of us, we are in a transition period. We are looking for new positions. Uh, we feel like there's it's a transition point for our family. We feel like you know maybe our ministry has come to an end in the current place we are. Maybe we're moving from from one position to another. Maybe you know you've been in youth ministry for the last 10, 15 years, and now you're moving into a lead or an associate or executive position. Some of your executive pastors moving into lead positions. Whatever the case is, we have entered into a time of transition in pastoral ministry across the board, all over the country, and there are more and more people looking to transition into open positions or to move into positions that are being created as the job market and as the ministry approach in churches has changed over the last year. And so the key is, is as you are in this transition period, how are you going about finding the right position for you, the God placement for you? Because if you're wanting to live your dream life in ministry, it's vital that you find that exact right place for you to be in for this next season of your ministry. And so what we're going to talk about today is how do you position yourself so that you can be a candidate for the right position so you can hear God's voice and you can be exactly where God wants you to be so that you can take one step closer into living that dream life in ministry. Let's get started. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I hope you're doing well. It is Wednesday. Uh, this is the time of week where we kind of get to the middle of the week and many of us are preparing for services. We're getting ready for Bible studies, prayer services, whatever it is you're getting ready for tonight. My prayer is that you are uh, ready, prepared. You have the energy, the excitement, everything falls in place. People come and it's a great engaging experience for you and for those who attend. For those who may be new with us here at the Ministry Hackers podcast, my name is Dr. Brandon Party Cooper. I'm the founder here at Ministry Hackers and our goal, the one thing that we are trying to accomplish, the one thing that one thing that we want to do in serving pastors and ministry leaders all over the country is to help you find your dream life in ministry. And so over the last couple of days, I've been uh, I've been promoting a, a new opportunity for, um, for you to take part of, because uh, one of the things that we believe here at Ministry Hackers is if you want to live your dream life in ministry, part of that is, is you have to have a strong base of volunteers, you have to have a thriving, growing congregation who is falling in love with Jesus over and over again, going deeper in their relationship with him and developing into spiritually mature followers of Christ who are discipling other people. Well, the key to that is having a discipleship experience that's engaging, that people want to be a part of, and that they keep coming back for more and more. And so what I'm offering right now is a free framework and one pager for you to use to actually design your engaging discipleship experience. And this is how it works. You get the framework, 
which takes you step-by-step on how to create an engaging discipleship experience. But then you also get the one pager that asks very strategic questions and walks you through the framework one step at a time. It's almost like I'm sitting there with you asking the right questions and being strategic on the questions that we're asking so that you can come to the end with an engaging discipleship experience that people keep coming back for more and more, not because it's fun, not because it's got all kinds of bells and whistles, not because it's this great program, but because it's engaging and it takes them deeper into scripture. It takes them deeper into who Jesus is and how they can grow in their relationship with him. And so um, if you go to ministryhackers.com slash discipleship, you can uh, sign up right there, put your name, put your email. You'll get everything you need. You'll get the framework. You'll get the one pager and all the instructions that you need to start today. You can start today creating your engaging discipleship. Fr- uh, I'm sorry, your engaging discipleship experience that everyone in your church will want to be a part of that will keep coming. And quite honestly, will grow to a point where people in your in your community outside of your faith community will want to come in and be a part of it because it's so engaging and it's so fun and they're learning and growing their relationship with Jesus, which is ultimately what everybody wants. Everybody wants that deeper relationship with Jesus. And we need to develop engaging discipleship experiences that take them through to that relationship they're looking for. So again, go to ministryhackers.com slash discipleship slash discipleship, and you can get your free one page or your free framework uh, and get started today. Okay, so as I mentioned in the opener, we are in this new season. Um, As we are coming out of COVID, as we're coming out of pandemic, as churches have pivoted multiple times over this last year, uh, we have come into this new season of ministry where, um, as I've shared before on this podcast, the statistics say that 27% of pastors are leaving the ministry post-pandemic. Well, that's where we are right now. We are post-pandemic, and those 27% is starting to come into fruition. We have lots of lead pastors, some who have been pondering uh, retirement, some of them who have been thinking about stepping out, stepping away, whatever the case is, over the last few years. Over the course of 2020, they made their decisions that it was time, and now that time has come. And as we're coming into this summer, and as we're coming out of the pandemic, and as you know, uh, different uh, Uh, restrictions are being lifted. Many pastors are saying, okay, it's time for me to step out, to retire, to go to a new position, to move to another location, whatever it is. And what that's doing, it's creating this new, this carousel effect in ministry positions all over the country. Um, We have some people who are moving into open positions with then, you know, youth pastors are moving into associate or um, executive positions, executive and associates are moving into Uh, Lead positions, uh, children's positions are always open. There's so many of those out there. Um, And so some people are saying, hey, it's time I want to move closer to family. And so they're, you know, moving to uh, ministry positions across the country. There's just a lot of movement. And the key is for those of you who are in that transition phase, who are looking to uh, position yourself in such a way that you want to move into a new position. Uh, you're going to have to do it a little differently than you probably have in the past. Now, the traditional way that we go about looking for ministry positions is we find a ministry position opening, which that in itself is is very difficult. But once you find one, then the idea is, is you send your resume um, that shows all of your experience, that shows everything you've done. Some of us have very extensive resumes, two, three pages long. Um, and it's, you know, very thorough about what our experience level is, things we've done, great accomplishments, everything else. But here's the problem with that. The problem is, is that if you have this extensive resume that you're sending out with a cover letter, 
And sometimes our cover letters are even two to three pages long. If you're, if you're sending all of that out, what that does is for a search committee or for a senior pastor, lead pastor, who's looking at that, what that does is it answers all their questions right up front. And so they know right away, whether, you know, when they're looking at your resume, when they're looking at uh, your cover letter, when they look at that, they have all the answers they're looking for. They're no, they know what you've done. They know, you know, what level of credentialing you're at. They know how many years you've been in ministry. And, and even though that is obviously helpful and is a part of the conversation when it comes to hiring somebody, what it doesn't do is it doesn't open the door for you to get to the interview stage. And I don't know about you, but for me, um, you know, I may look good on paper, but I'm a lot more engaging and relational when you talk to me, whether it's on the phone or in person. Either way, if I can get you one-on-one -on -one across the table from me or on the phone with me, I'm a lot more engaging and you feel who I am a lot more than on a piece of paper. Because if you were to see me on a piece of paper, you would see, you know, I have a lot of academics. I have a lot of um, team development. I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of different things that maybe you're not looking for because um, you, you, as a search committee, as a lead pastor, you have a very narrow perspective on what, what you're looking for. The problem though is, is if we were only hiring on skill or experience, um, then it would be, number one, it'd be a lot easier to hire people. But number two, we would have a lot more issues with uh, pastoral staff teams. Because the biggest thing that you can't tell looking at a resume is who the person is and do they fit with the culture of who we are as a staff and who we are as a church. And when you as a lead, when, when a lead pastor or when a search committee, when they are having a conversation on the phone or meeting you in person, that's what they can tell. They can tell, oh, this person really fits us. This person really gets us. This person, you know, really, you know, engages with who we are. They get who we are. You can't see that on a resume. And so for all of you who are in transition, what, what my encouragement to you at this point is, because you know, you're, you're sending your resume out and you're looking for open positions and you're trying to go through the interview process. What I would say is, is rework your resume, get away from lining out all of your experience, get away from lining out all of the technical details of your ministry. Give things like your scope of excellence. What are the things that you're really good at? Or give the areas that you excel in. What are the things that you, um, you know, that you have done in the past that you exceeded expectations or you did really well? Or, or maybe it's, um, you know, maybe you share something like what your strengths are or um, what areas that you, um, areas that you love to be a part of and that you love to put your time and effort into and energy into. How do you rework the resume? So that it's not a bunch of technical information about who you are and your experience, but it's more of a feel of the type of person you are. Uh, the person reading that can then see, oh, I might really enjoy being with this person or this person may really work for our church or may really work for our pastoral staff team. Um, because then that curiosity that's created is then open door to an interview, to a phone conversation. Because again, if you answer all the questions in your resume, then there's no reason for me. So if I'm receiving your resume and I look at it and I see all the questions that I'm looking for answered, I don't need to call you. I don't need to set up an interview with you. I don't need to do anything more because I now have everything I need to make the decision. I don't want to hire you because you don't have the right experience. You don't have the, 
the, the right skill set or whatever the case is. And then on our end, we're always worried about, oh, what if I forget to put something on there? Or what if I, you know, what if I've left this piece out, but that's really the piece they were looking for, but I don't really know what they're looking for. It takes all that away. If I receive your resume and instead of telling me all the technical information about you and your ministry, but instead you tell me what your strengths are, what you love to do, what you look for in ministry, the type of person you are, if I can see that. And from there, I'm like, oh, I really, I'm, I'm really would like to meet this person. Then it opens the door for questions to ask all the technical information. Again, the point of the resume is to get to the interview. That's it. And so only give the information you feel is absolutely necessary to open the door to the interview and give enough information where they get a feel for you. Even I, I, with the people that I talk to and the clients that I have, I encourage them, put a picture of you on that resume. Don't give me a resume with no picture. Put a picture on there so I can see your face. I can see you smile. I can, I can feel the type of person you are from looking at your picture. Do that and it increases the probability that you're going to get a phone call at least and hopefully an interview. Um, and so that's my, that's my encouragement to you today is if you're in this transition phase and you're looking to move into, um, a new position and you're sending out resumes and having phone conversations and sending up interviews, what I would say is rework your resume and rework your letter, uh, your, your, um, cover letter so that me as the recipient get a feel for who you are, not what you can and can't do, because those are things that I can ask about. In the phone conversation, the point of the resume is to get to the phone conversation or to open the door for the interview. Um, and so again, there's lots of movement happening. There's lots of open positions. There's a lot of interviews and conversations happening, and they're going to increase as we get deeper into the summer. And so if you're looking to transition and you're looking to do this, let's rework your resume. Let's figure out how we need to do it differently so that they feel you and want to get to know you more and call you up for that phone interview. All right. So that's my encouragement for you today. By the way, don't forget the one pager and the, the framework for designing an engaging discipleship experience. Go to ministryhackers.com slash discipleship. Get it free today. Uh, put in your name, put your email, download it. You'll get it right away. You can start working on it this afternoon. You can start working on it, developing that, dis that engaging discipleship experience that's going to draw people in, take them deeper in their relationship with Jesus and increase the quality of their relationship and their spiritual walk, which then leads to stronger volunteer base, more people carrying the load of ministry, and you taking one step closer to your dream life and ministry. All right, have a wonderful Wednesday. I pray your services go well tonight, and I'll see you in the next episode.